As one of my favorite professors says, all politics, like good seafood, is local. Ground Level is an exploration of the power and importance of local government through interviews with various public officials, political junkies, and civic-minded Americans. I hope Ground Level inspires and educates fellow Democrats that we cannot ignore state and local government if we want to build and sustain political power for generations to come. Welcome to Ground Level. Welcome back to Ground Level. I'm Henry Schultz, your host, and today I have the honor of talking with Jevin Hodge, a candidate for the Board of Supervisors in Maricopa County, Arizona. Jevin was recently endorsed by Mayor Pete Buttigieg's Win the Era PAC, which supports candidates who embody a new generation of leadership and are running in traditionally conservative areas of the U.S. He was also endorsed by the Collective PAC that aims to build Black political power on the local, state, and federal levels. Welcome to the pod, Jevin. Proud to be here, Henry. Thank you so much for having me uh, uh, join you today. So can we uh, jump in about your background? Just give some listeners uh, what you're, yeah, where, you're back, where you're from and just in general your story. I, I would love to. I would love to. So my, I'm Jevin Hodge. I'm an Arizona native, born and raised in Tempe, Arizona, which is home to Arizona State University. I uh, went to high school out here, got my first job out here, and uh, came back to Arizona to buy my first home. This is this is home. I uh, went to college at the George Washington University in Washington, D.C., where um, I learned a lot about life. Went to D.C. to go to college and learned a lot, became a man out there. Um, I've been involved in politics for a long time, since I was uh, 10 years old. And I've done everything from the, being the coffee boy, copying papers, to campaign manager, to national spokesperson, policy advisor, to now candidate. I uh, believe that you uh, move your community forward by investing in your community civically. So I serve on a number of nonprofit boards. I am a a founder of a nonprofit organization that worked to make Arizona a place to be for young people. I am the president of the Booker T. Washington Child Development Center, which is the longest running Head Start facility in the state of Arizona. I'm very proud of the Booker T. Washington Child Development Center. We are we primarily serve Black and Latino um, children in South Phoenix that are families that are below the poverty belt. Uh, we're number one in the state for literacy scores and, and number one in the city of Phoenix for K-3 outcomes. And uh, uh, the reason why, in my personal opinion, is because we love our children. And it sounds simple, but when you invest in a child and you, you give them a hug when they need one, um, you can definitely see uh, a difference in outcomes. I serve on the statewide advisory board for uh, Best Buddies Arizona, which is a nonprofit that is working to fight for inclusion uh, in the, in, with individuals in the IDD, Intellectual Developmental Disabilities Community. Um, Job Training Buddies Program. It's a it's an incredible, incredible organization. I serve on the Arizona State uh, Leadership Board for the um, United States Global Leadership Coalition, uh, which uh, is the champion for foreign policy. So uh, in addition to a number of different things, by day, I serve as a social impact and strategic communications consultant. I lead national operations for a firm called uh, Link Strategic Partners and run our Arizona office. We uh, we do everything under the sun that a PR firm would do, but we work to uh, uh, connect communities and help uh, organizations, nonprofits, governments tell their story. And uh, we do so by only taking on clients that have a net positive social impact for their community. So I, I help uh, bring communities, I bring communities together. I help people solve problems and I plan on bringing that to the Board of Supervisors. I uh, Again, thank you very much for having me today, Henry. 
Thank you. That's a awesome introduction. Um, so on your campaign website, you talk about your mother, Berdetta, who raised you um, and was the first black woman elected to public office in Tempe, motivating force for you uh, to get into local politics. Oh, man, my mother has taught me everything that I know about leadership. Uh, she's a single mother, raised my brother and I by herself. And I can count on one hand how many school functions, football games, basketball games, debate matches, student council functions, you name it, that she missed. Uh, and most of those, if not all of them, were um, when I went off to college <laughs> in Washington, D.C. And so I tell you, you know, my mother has just been deeply invested in my brother and I's life. Um, and when you have that hands-on leadership, right, and you see what that means, um, you know, and she wasn't just our mother, right? She's not just Jason and I's mother. She's the community mom. She, is the, she was the team mom, right? Everybody looked to her for advice. And so seeing her in action, she was the PTA president of every school that my brother and I went to. She was the PTA president of schools that didn't even have her children at it, right? Because she was that deeply involved and invested in her uh, community. But I mean, she's walking living history. She's the first African-American woman elected in the city of Tempe. Uh, and she's the first uh, black person, period, on her governing body. I mean, it's a governing body that represents 300,000 plus people, seven schools, 20,000 20, students. I mean, it's not, a, it's not an insignificant body. And so she, she truly embodies what it means to give voice to the voiceless and, and lead by putting people first. That's incredible. Um, yeah, so you grew up in Tempe. Uh, which is in Maricopa County. Can you contextualize the county geographically, population, demographics, everything? That I can do. Maricopa County is the largest, fourth largest county in the country. It's the fastest growing county in the country. And so um, there's about 4.4 million people in Maricopa County, um, uh, more than 40 cities uh, that make up the county. And um, um, the, the county... Um, in itself is, is is incredibly incredibly diverse, and so we we have a uh, we have um, folks from all walks of life that are are here in this county. It's the fastest growing county. Eighty five thousand people moved here last year, and so you know, and and so like when you talk about the microcosm of what America looks like, that is Maricopa County. We have the largest public institution, Arizona State University. We have the largest junior college, Maricopa Maricopa, uh, and the Maricopa County Community System. We have they have the. Uh, uh, 30,000 kids at a junior college, Mesa Community College. I mean, like, uh, we have tech corridors here, right, where uh, Boeing has a plan here. Target does all of their card distributions here. PayPal has a plan here. Microchip has a plan here. I mean, like, this is the center. This is what America looks like. Um, Maricopa County, if you'll indulge in me for just a moment, Henry, Maricopa County is the uh, is governed by five people, and they manage a, a three, uh, excuse me, a $3 billion budget. And they basically handle every issue that you can think of under the sun. So um, from environmental protections to um, environmental protections to public transportation, public works, public parks, public libraries, hospitals, education, early childhood education, K-12, right? Higher ed, um, public corrections, public safety. Uh, if there's an issue that involves money, which is every issue that you can think of, um, the board handles it, right? And so I've branded this position as the most impactful position in the most important position that most people know absolutely nothing about. Um, and it's because it's flown under the radar, right? It's one of those, um, it's one of those, uh, 
uh, seats in local politics that is incredibly important and incredibly impactful, but operates in silence. My district alone, right? My district alone, which is what we would call in Maricopa County the Southeast Valley, right? So it has seven cities, the city of Fe- parts of the city of Phoenix, city of Tempe, parts of the city of Scottsdale, city of Mesa, uh, Chandler, Gilbert, and the city of town of Queen Creek. Um, it has about 900,000 residents in this district, about 460,000 registered voters. So if you, if you wanted to have a comparison here, it would be the third largest congressional district behind the two single, two single state districts. It would, be, it would have more people than five governors, 10 senators. I mean, it's, just, it's, it's absolutely massive. And, and when you think about what that means for public policy, you need someone who's going to be people first. You need someone that's going to be in their community, willing to listen, that's going to handle those issues that are closest to the folks that are, are needing services the most. I'm so uh, grateful that you um, clarified that because I think it also speaks to the civic education gap thing in our country that people don't really know who their local representatives are. And as as President Obama said, uh, it's all about what happens on the, on the ground level and the the local politics. Um, So before we jump into your campaign and Arizona politics, can you just let our listeners know when your primary is those kind of nuts and bolts details? Yep. Yep. Uh, my primary is on August 4th, first Tuesday in August. And as of right now, and there's no going back at this point, I'm the uh, presumed Democratic nominee. So I, I do not have a challenger in the Democratic primary, and I need all of one vote to move on to the general. Uh, and the general is on November 3rd. Awesome. Um, so can you tell us about your policy platform? What would be your priorities if you were elected to the board? Yep. Yep. I can definitely do that. The um, as I mentioned, Maricopa County is the fastest growing county in the country, so we need to prioritize our infrastructure. We're the largest uh, metropolitan that does not have uh, a, a storm drainage system. And so here in Maricopa County, if it rains like it does during the monsoon season, it floods. It floods heavily. We have a flood district that works to control flooding. So we need to do everything that we can to invest in our infrastructure to meet the needs of our growing county. Um, and that goes into making sure that our roads and our, our, our bridges, right, our buildings are all up to par to meet those growing infrastructure needs. The second item is what I'm branding as wellness. And wellness has two buckets. Personal wellness, um, which is uh, health and human services, education. Uh, as an early childhood education leader, uh, Maricopa County is one of the largest grantees of federal dollars in the country uh, for implementing um, Head Start. So doing what I can to help expand Head Start services to all students in Maricopa County, supporting uh, K-12 education, working in conjunction with our community college districts uh, for folks that want to go back to get a, a, a trade degree or folks that want to take this as their first step in education, um, that want to learn new skills, investing in, in working directly with our, our, our university system, right? Arizona State is the mecca for innovation. Um, how can we use uh, their talents and services to make government better? Um, and in addition to that, so in economic well-being, supporting locally sourced businesses. Here in Maricopa County, where, where you know, we have such incredible folks here. And, and you know, in addition to that, working to um, do all that I can to attract uh, organizations to invest here um, so that we can provide the highest quality of life for folks who want to come and learn, live, play, retire um, here uh, in Maricopa County. The last item um, that is very important to me is accountability. 
like I said, this is the most important impactful position that most people know absolutely nothing about. So doing whatever I can to make sure that our decision making is happening in the light, that folks in our, our Maricopa County is at the forefront of making these decisions. But in addition to accountability, it's not just public accountability, but internal accountability to make sure that we are spending our money as effectively as possible. The taxpayers are getting the highest ROI of uh, their dollars if they're investing in their county government. And that's holding our department heads accountable. That's holding our county manager accountable and our deputy county managers accountable and listening to the will of the people so we can prioritize their needs. Those are great. That's a great platform and, and priorities. Um, so you formerly served as the vice chairman of the Arizona Democratic Party and traveled the state extensively. What lessons did you learn from meeting with Arizonans? Uh, Arizona is a beautiful place, a beautiful, beautiful place. Over the three years I served as vice chairman, I I went to all 15 counties, made over 500 stops. Um, I mean, just north to south, east to west. I mean, it was just, it was gorgeous. The one thing that I can say uh, about uh, the conversations and the lessons that I learned is that folks want their government to work for them, not against them. And regardless of what walk of life you come from, what ideological mindset you subscribe to, um, ideological belief you subscribe to, it, it it shows, right, that folks just truly want, you know, their government to be efficient, effective, to work with them. Um, and, and granted, you know, folks have very different pathways of what that looks like and very different visions of what that looks like. Um, but we're not that far apart from one another. And that's the thing that's so important. You know, when we can find unity and you can find um, um, something to agree on, right? You can make change and find progress from there. Um, and that's so important. I believe that uh, uh, Arizona is a, is truly a, a diverse place when it comes to um, political ideolo- ideologies because, you know, it, it has everything, right? Large metropolitans, college towns, large, vast rural areas, border towns, you name it. it ha- it's here in Arizona. And so the one thing that I learned is that, you know, we're not that far apart. Um, and, and, and Arizona's got some incredible people. That's awesome. I think Arizona's a fascinating, fascinating state politically. It seems like there's about 144,000 more registered Republicans than Democrats, but the Dems are steadily closing that gap. And you touched on this briefly before, but can you give us an overview of the ch- that changing demographic of the state, both racial and political? Yeah. I mean, here, here's the thing, right? You you have to think about, there's, a, there's many, many, many different factors that you have to factor in, right? Um, Arizona once was a quote unquote nesting state where folks came here to retire, right? Um, and their political beliefs were tied into that. Um, and so that has had influence over our um, electoral systems. Uh, with that, uh, you have the millennial generation that is now coming to age, right, where they're buying homes and they're settling down and they're moving out of the dense downtowns. And so you have areas that were once very conservative or red um, that are now turning more of a purplish color. Um, and the millennial generation is the first generation that is not. Um, equal when it comes to ideological splits. You know, there is a, a stark lean um, towards the left when it comes to the millennial generation. And each generation that follows, right, is becoming more and more progressive. 
And so you're seeing that mixture of, you know, folks moving here to go to college and wanting to stay here, um, young people coming of age and buying homes and settling down, um, 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 folks moving here. It's the fastest, like I said, it's the fastest growing county uh, in the country, city of Phoenix, fastest growing city in the country. Uh, folks are moving here from all over the country um, and uh, they want their government to reflect their views. And then the last thing is you're, you're seeing um, individuals just participate um, at higher rates every election. And so you mix all that together. Right. You have more education. You have more outreach that is being done. Um, and you see that. um individuals are participating, one at a higher rate, but they're participating so that their government reflects their viewpoints. Um, and and it, it's exciting. I mean, I've seen it. I've been on the ground here in Arizona since 2006. Um, and the city that I lived in looked completely different than it does today, right? The county, right? My district in 2012 um, voted against Obama by uh, negative eight points, right? They voted for Romney by eight points, eight and a half points, and voted for Hillary four years later by a third of a point, and then voted for Kirsten Sinema two years later by eight points. So we saw a 16-point margin shift, right, in, in, in just uh, 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 eight years, right? And, and I mean, like, that's incredible, like truly incredible. That's and fascinating. So, um, yeah, it's very fascinating. I mean, it's growing very rapidly. Um, but I mean, when you have people utilizing their vote and utilizing their voice, you see the outcomes that reflect that. Yeah, that, that's so encouraging and inspiring to see that that movement in Arizona. Um, so some people have may have heard of Maricopa County because of its former sheriff Joe mm-hmm. Arpaio, um, who was pardoned by mm-hmm. Trump in 2017. Uh, for some context, he was convicted of criminal contempt due to his hardline tactics going after illegal immigrants. What is the current political climate on the board now? How many Republicans, Democrats, that that uh, breakdown? Yeah, so right now, uh, of the five members, you have four Republicans and one Democrat um, as the makeup um, uh, for the Board of Supervisors. Uh, for the county officials, you now have two county elected officials, and that's at the county recorder's office. Um, a gentleman by the name of Adrian Fontes replaced Helen Purcell. And if you follow Arizona politics, you remember in 2016, we had some of the longest uh, presidential preference lines. Uh, some people wait in line for six or seven hours. Um, and a new gentleman by the name of Paul Pinzone as the sheriff uh, in town who uh, unseated the former sheriff, Joe Arpaio. Yeah, he, uh, I know that, that made national news. Um, and, and, Related yep. to that, I'm just going to transition into the current fight for racial justice um, and, and addressing police brutality. Um, I just want to say their names. Uh, some of the many um, Black people in this country have lost their lives. Trayvon Martin, Tamir Rice, Michael Brown, Eric Gardner, Philando Castile, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd. What is the role of the local positions like the Board of Supervisors in law enforcement oversight? Yeah. Um, first and foremost, right, listening to the needs of the community, listening to the pain that is poured into this, listening to um, and understanding, providing that education of where people are coming from. Your job as an elected official is to represent the interest and will of the people. And so first and foremost, that's what needs to be done. The second of which, the role is incredibly important. 
because as local officials, you likely have oversight, right, over the city manager that is hiring the police chief, right? Uh, as a county official, we work in tandem with the sheriff's office while we have no, uh, the county uh, board of supervisors will have no direct oversight over the sheriff. They do, however, manage and appropriate the sheriff's budget, um, which is equally as powerful. Um, and so um, the role of local elected officials is so critically important because as folks are fighting for citizen review boards and, and implicit bias trainings and, and um, databases that track um, you know, individuals that are abusing their force, you that happens right at the local level and so what i have to say about this is that it, it, an, another reminder and if you follow any of my social platforms or follow me you'll know that i harp this until my face turns blue it is so critically important to vote in every election every election is the most important election of your lifetime and that's simply because you're deciding these very 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 local offices and you have decisions that are being made on your behalf, right, that will directly impact your life, not 10 years down the road, not five years down the road, but tomorrow. And folks need to understand that. So the number one way to exercise their voice is to vote in leaders that are going to put the will of the people first. Yes, we need to protest. Yes, we need to raise these issues and make them public. Yes, you know, we need to mobilize, but we need to carry that energy out and carry it to the ballot box. And if the ultimate protest is ousting leaders that are not going to listen to the will of the people, that are not going to prioritize the voice of the voiceless, that are not going to invest in marginalized and disenfranchised communities, that are not going to act. You know, the, the, I have a firm belief that the people closest to pain are the ones that need to be in power. And so when you don't have leaders that understand that, that pain will always continue to circulate because there's going to be nothing that's going to be done to counteract it. Yeah, that's, that's such a good answer. And related to that, I know the, the Collective PAC endorsed you. And again, it's a political action committee that aims to build political power through recruiting Black people to run for local, state, and federal offices. What other strategies do you see for encouraging people of color to run for local office? Yeah, I um I, I think, one, I'm very grateful for the um, Collective PAC's endorsement. They are an incredible organization doing some great work. Quentin and Stephanie James are just remarkable individuals. I think that, you know, it starts by educating yourself on the office. If I can give any advice to anybody who is considering running for office, start by reading the budget. Um, your budget identifies your priorities. So start by reading the budget so you can understand, you know, what uh, the office entails, what they're funding then reading that charter or organizing documents for the locality, municipality um, in which they're running for. So you can understand the role of the organization, right? There, there's not just a United States constitution. Each state has their own constitution. Each county has their own um, charter. Each city has their own charter, right? And so read those documents so you can understand the role and now duties of serving in these elected offices. And then from there, reaching out to people who uh, are willing to lend advice. I right now offer that. I'm running for office, but I've been around it for a very long time. So for all the viewers out there, if you're considering running for office, reach out to me. Reach out to me on Twitter. Reach out to me on Instagram, Facebook. I respond and I will be there. Or you can email me, me at jevinhodge.com. 
And I say that very boldly because I want to not hoard intellectual knowledge and to be whatever kind of resource that I possibly can to any individual that wants to consider uh, stepping into the arena. Yeah, I want to tease out this idea of kind of apathy towards local politics. Um, Obama recently said we need both voting and protesting. So what, what would you say to someone who says that voting is not worth it in local elections or even general, because no matter what, they think these deeply rooted inequalities won't be eradicated? Well, here's the thing. The deeply rooted inequalities will not be eradicated if you don't elect people that are going to put these issues first. And, and that's plain and simple. And that's my, the number one thing that I always say. Uh, I give an example. Uh, my mother, uh, the first, like I said, a black woman elected in the city of Tempe, um, lost her first election by 873 votes. Do you know how small of a number that is? 873 votes, that was less than 1% of the voting, less than a half a percent of the voting population that voted in that election in 2014. And so when folks say that their vote doesn't matter, you probably interact with 870 people, right? In, in a matter, depending on who you are, some people in one day and some people in a matter of just a few days. And so it's not that hard. It's not that hard um, when you think about it. And your vote does matter. It does matter. I had another friend that ran for city council, lost by 79 votes. Wow. Um, yeah. And so when people say that their vote doesn't matter, it surely matters. And it's so important that you vote. Um, it's it's our constitutional right. And, and, and it's how, you know, the right. You know, anybody who wants to say the system wasn't built for them, especially if they're black, um, that's right. But what we can do is elect people who are going to make the system work better. We can elect people who are going to put these issues first. We can elect people that are going to be true to the communities in which they serve and someone who is going to have a listening, open ear um, and open heart who's ready to lead. And so when people say that their vote doesn't matter, I tell them that, you know, that's hogwash. Your vote is so critically important and we need you to vote. We need you to participate in your democracy because if, when you don't vote, right, elections aren't lost by, um, um, elections aren't lost um by um, just candidates losing. Elections are lost by the uh, apathetic. Elections are lost because people do not participate. Elections are lost because uh, you have goodwill people that only votes in presidential elections. Uh, and it's so critically important that you utilize that power, such a beautiful power, to vote in all elections. Such a good answer. I'm so excited for people to hear that. Um, so I want to transition to what I like to do is, is highlight themes of public service and patriotism to close it out. Um, so yeah, the goal of this podcast is to educate, inspire, and mobilize listeners to get involved in, in state and local government. Um, so what motivates you to run for local office and maybe what advice do you have for young people um, who want to get into the game and get into public service? It's a thrill like no other. Um, the reason why I'm running for the position I'm running for is because I love people, period. I love people. I love people so much. I love learning about people's stories. I love doing whatever I possibly can to help. And the position I'm running for in particular is the meat and potatoes of politics. This is where all the action happens. And um, if I want to impact lives for the better, I needed to step up. It was an open seat. The timing was right. I needed to step up to do my part. Um, I win, lose, or draw, I'm never going to give up on serving my community, but I can at least say I tried to do more. And anyone 
that is considering running for office, I'll say this. You miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. And so if you get out there and you're, you want to run and you have a desire, a, a burning desire in your tummy and, and love in your heart to engage and, and dedicate yourself to your community, do it. Do it. Do it. Because it's so vitally important. Dr. King says that the more arc of the universe is long and bends towards justice. But the only way that that arc bends towards justice is if each and every one of us pulls on it. So we have to do our part. We have to step up to the plate and we have to answer the call because there will be injustice and we need leaders that are going to get out there and lead by putting people first. That's, I think that's a, a really incredible answer and it gets to this heart of the podcast and this question I always consider um, and think about and ask people on who are on. So what does patriotism mean to you? It means that's a that's a great question. I um it to me it means that you're going to put people first. You're a patriot, you're a pioneer. You're a patriot, you're an innovator, you're a patriot, you're a problem solver, you're a patriot and you're a servant. And so you're gonna lead by putting people first, you're gonna do everything that you possibly can to impact uh, as many as you possibly can with the skills and talents that have been given to you. That's so great. And the last very important question, if listeners are inspired by you, where can they go to donate and help out and get you elected in the, the general? You can you can head over to my website at jevinhodge.com. That's J-E-V-I-N-H-O-D-G-E jevinhodge.com. Head over to my website. If you'd like to donate and leave a few coins, I would be incredibly grateful. Um, more importantly, sign up for our email list. I personally believe we have a great, the best email list in the country. Um, our emails are, are fire. Um, uh, if, <laughs> if you want to volunteer, we're always looking for digital organizers and, and folks that are willing to make calls, write letters, uh, sign up. You can sign up on our website to volunteer or follow my socials. I'm on Twitter at jevin 4 F-O-R-A-Z. Um, I'm on Instagram at Jevin Hodge, and I'm on Facebook at Jevin Hodge. So, you know, follow my pages, uh, like my, uh, follow, like my pages, uh, reach, share my content, and uh, visit the website. Be glad to have you. Thank you so much, Jevin. I love this conversation. I know I'm going to be telling my friends and family to chip in $5 if they can. And um, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. Deeply appreciate you.